everyone. Welcome back to the Where Your Feet Take You podcast. I am Kayla Bowker, professional triathlete, mom to two boys, and coach at Where Your Feet Take You triathlon and mental performance coaching team. I am joined here with my fabulous co-host, Aaron Oliphant, who is an elite age group triathlete to USAT level one coach at Where Your Feet Take You. And most recently finished up her second Kona World Championships. We had a really great chat about that in an episode or two ago. So if you guys haven't had a chance to listen to kind of her thoughts on the World Championships, um, please go ahead and head back, like, I think it's like two episodes ago, and have a listen. We come to you guys about each, relatively each week, to chat triathlon, life, everything and anything in between. We answer your questions and do our best to just share our knowledge and passion for the sport. You can always send us questions at www.wearyfeettakeyou.com slash podcast or hit us up on Instagram. We'd love to answer your questions. It bring, gives us the ability to share the content that you guys want to hear and prevents us from just blabbering on about nothing. So um, yeah, we're going to just dive on in here. Erin, how's the week going? Okay. It's been a busy week, but what's new? I feel like... Taylor yeah. can see behind me. I have a whole pile of laundry on our guest room bed that I need to get put away. Uh, so that's always great. Um, but overall, pretty good. Still have to get in a 4,000 swim after this, which is a bummer. <laughs> you know? Sounds really appealing. <laughs> <laughs> My talk, my my uh, my toxic trait is never actually doing my laundry; just leaving it in the basket and pulling it out for like two weeks, and then constantly just pulling laundry out of the basket. Um, that's my toxic trait. It drives yeah. Brandon crazy. <laughs> but fair enough. I think this pile's just been growing bigger for the last two weeks. So at least it's go. clean now. I just a week ago it wasn't clean. Hey. There you go. Clean's better than not clean. And at least you kind of know where it is. If you can't find yeah. it, you just go check your pile. <laughs> I ran out of bib shorts, That's... which is mostly the reason that it's clean now. <laughs> yeah, there you go. I always run out of underwear first. I just apparently mm -hmm. don't own enough underwear in my life for myself. So underwear and socks, those are the, the challenge. Yeah. I will find that I will put the kids' clothes away first and they I'll put their clothes away but not mine like I actually have like two loads of laundry that I have to fold so I get it I understand yeah. <laughs> anyway how are you it's race week how are you feeling doing good it is race week uh I'm excited so I actually realized this morning it has been one full year since I uh have been racing on the professional circuit uh, I took my pro card last year right after Kona, and my first race was Cabo, 70.3. So I'm back for my second time as a professional, and it'll be a full year, which is crazy to think it's already been a year. Um, yeah, I'm feeling good. Um, kind of in a unfortunate part of my like menstrual cycle right now, which is, for me, a bummer. I'm in the phase where my progesterone levels are really high in my body it does not like progesterone um so i am have like whenever i'm in this part of the cycle i have a lot of fatigue like and i'm so sore i literally wake up every morning and feel like i got hit by a bus like i'm just my every muscle everything aches so it takes me a really long time to kind of flush that so Hoping maybe by the end of the week, which is when races, like I'll have kind of moved through this phase because um, I have yet to figure out like the best plan of attack for this phase of my cycle. Like usually means I have to decrease like intense, I have to decrease like everything. Um, and I try to manage it with like extra omegas and B vitamins and stuff, but it's kind of a annoying phase to be in. Because you literally feel so sore. <laughs> yeah. I know um, you'll get to the start but, line and you'll uh, forget that that's even a thing that's going on. Exactly. It is. It's one of those where you get to the start line and then you just you ignore that that's a piece. Um, but yeah, I'm excited. This is one of my favorite. I think this has become one of my favorite races. I really enjoyed it last year. Um, I Even though it's going to be a much bigger field if everybody that's on the list shows up. It's a, uh, there's some heavy hitters coming. Um, 
So, but uh, you know, you never know if they're actually going to show or if they're just on on the list. Um, so it's a, definitely a bigger field. I think last year there was like ten of us, and this year there's twenty on the start list. I think so, much bigger. Um, but it's just a really fun course. Uh, it's a really relaxed race, and um, yeah, I'm looking forward to it. I think it'll be a lot of fun. Um, head down Friday, and my dad's coming with me, so it'll be nice to have somebody with me this time. And um, yeah. Yeah, just feeling good. Body's feeling semi-good. I had a really good run on Sunday for the most part. Um, And we're just going to give it everything we got. And that's about all you can ask, right? Yeah, (laughs) exactly. The right attitude to have. Yeah. So uh, awesome. All right. Well, should we get into some of our questions here? Let's do it. All right. We are going to start with, we had a question from um, Debbie. Fine, who is a Where If You Take You athlete. And she had a question in regards to sw- dry land swim work. And uh, it was kind of a twofold question. Well, her main question was, is dry land swim work worthwhile? Basically, does it help you? And then I want to tag onto that and have you maybe provide us with kind of maybe either your top tips or a couple of exercises that can be done outside of the pool to maybe help bolster or supplement swimming in general. Because in reality, we both know that the key to swimming is swimming. You got to feel the water. Um, But that doesn't mean that there aren't things outside of the pool that you can do to help. So what are your thoughts on dry land swimming? And then maybe some ways that you can kind of bolster it outside of it. I think for most triathletes, when we're talking about is dry land for swimming worth it, I would say 90% of triathletes would have their time better spent spending an extra 15 minutes in the pool two days a week, just strictly focused on technique. Um, yes, I would and like that. just through drilling, spending extra time in the water, really taking that time to focus exactly what you need to work on technically and not on like the set that your coach assigned you. Um, Now, if you're already doing that and you feel like you have been doing all you can in the pool to improve your swim, um, there's definitely exercises on land that can help you feel the technique you need in the pool more. And then there's also exercises on land to get those swim muscles stronger. So, yeah. I always think of, you know, I think dry land swim work kind of got like really popular during COVID <laughs> because we couldn't go to the pool. And um, and it is important in the sense of activation and warm up and making sure that you're staying mobile. But I agree with you. I think you're better off from a worth it standpoint. You're better off spending an extra 15 minutes in the pool if you can. Um, or adding a swim session if you can, or taking, getting rid of, increasing your warm up and doing extra drills um, if you need to, and feeling the water. For someone who is definitely a adult onset swimmer, like spending time and doing drills in each of my sessions has been one of the biggest helps for my swimming. Um, what exercises would you recommend? to do outside. So I think one that can really just help you feel the technique and the muscle engagement you should be having while you're swimming is just either on a cable at shoulder height or a band wrapped around a door or something at shoulder height. Um, Just doing the pulling motion of the stroke on land with the the band or a lightweight Um, Really focusing on getting a high elbow, keeping your hand underneath that shoulder and finishing past your hips and then not letting the band kind of just snap up because that will hurt your shoulder, but kind of like just slowly guiding it back Um, and then going again and again and again and really focus on feeling the engagement through your lats and your traps. Um, And once you have that down, you can even start to add the rotation to it and really rotating your hips as your hand comes past your body to really feel it. And that's not going to be as much of a strength exercise as it is a feel the water activation, get the technique down exercise. Um, 
when it comes to strength exercises that I think can help a lot in the pool. I think pull-ups is a big one, Um, like really overhand specifically. I know that is a pull-up, but sometimes pull-up and chin-up are used interchangeably. Um, But palms away, pull-up, really focus on engaging those lats and pulling up. Another great one is tricep extensions. Um, And another good one is a low row or just a single arm row on a bench. Um, And then I think we've talked about it before, but any ab exercise, especially the ones that use your cross axis rotation stuff, um, it doesn't even need to be just abs. It can be a lunge to a single arm press up with your leg in the air, an RDL to a shoulder press, um, just things to kind of engage your core. Cause in swims, you're swimming or in swimming, you're swimming, swimming, you're, sw- yeah, <laughs> you're swimming opposite. <laughs> each other. Yeah. You're in swimming, you're swimming and you're swimming. <laughs> Yeah, that 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 cross rotation um, or that cross connection that yes, is coming connection. from coming from doing kind of that single leg with, on one side with the press on the other um, is really honestly helpful for if we're talking like we're talking triathlon, not just swimming. I mean that's that's important across the board. Yep. Um, that type of exercise, that cross connection is really powerful in biking and running and swimming. Um, because in running, you do the same thing. I mean, it's a very similar concept to swimming is running, um, biking, you're a lot more stagnant, but you're still wanting to have that stability and that even balanced power, which comes from focusing on kind of that cross connection. So I think those are great exercises across the board that are going to benefit you, not just in swimming, but in biking and running as well. Um, Yeah. The other one I just thought of that actually I thought of when I was texting you, but I don't think I ever fully texted it to you is like a prone pull through. So when you're standing in or if you're in a high plank position um, and you're pulling a weight across your body to the other side, placing it down and then switching arms and grabbing it, pulling underneath your body with the other hand, um, that's going to help kind of with that cross connection and rotation. That's a really good one. I like that one. It's such a simple exercise that doesn't feel challenging until you get to like number eight, nine, 10 to 12. And all of a sudden you're like, Oh man, this is really hard. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. And I think like you said earlier, these exercises don't necessarily need to be done with heavy weight. And so I think that's important to know. Um, And a lot of these are very minor, isn't the word I'm looking for, but they're very stability oriented. Um, And so they are going to use quote unquote, and I hate using this statement because I don't know if it's the right one, but smaller muscles, you don't necessarily want to put heavy weight on them. You want to put load on them and focused in a more of a um, neuromuscular standpoint and and activating, no, not even activating, but just creating load in a non like super heavy way. So yeah, and it's your body's, it helps your body learn how to use the muscle groups together. Um, A lot of times we have Mm -hmm. one primary go to muscle group. And a lot of these multi-movement exercises are teaching the body how to engage different muscle groups in the most efficient pattern. Like for me in swimming, I am trying to use my lats versus my rear delts because I have a tendency to use my rear delts. And those are very small muscles that are not useful. Well, they are useful in swimming, but they are not the ones you should be using. (laughs) They can get worn out very quick. They they wear out very quickly because they're smaller than your lats, right? Yeah, your lat is your your lats are a huge muscle. Yeah, um, and you should be you using want, the rear like delts. You want to utilize. Your... Yeah, it just shouldn't be your dominant. Be the primary muscle. one. Yeah. Yes, and they would be the dominant one. I can tell because they get very tired. And I, <laughs> yeah, we're working on it though. I had a really really good swim on Sunday. There were some really fast girls in the pool because the swim team has a race next this weekend. And so some of the girls were doing like an extra set, a session, I'm I'm assuming. Um, And I just didn't want to look like an idiot out there uh, being 
you know, the triathlete in the pool. And I was like, oh yeah, this feels good. This is how, this is how swimming is supposed to feel. Yeah. <laughs> well, awesome. Well, those are great tips. Thanks, Erin. Um, okay. Our next question came from Danielle and she had questions on winter riding tips. It was a very blanket statement, Danielle. So I'm going to make some assumptions here um, into how do you ride in the winter? Now, you and I are very blessed now that winter looks very different than it ever used to. Um, yeah, it does. But it does get <laughs> purposefully. Yeah, yeah, it does. I purposefully. There's a reason we moved. I moved down here. <laughs> we we have now entered the beautiful time of year in uh, uh, Arizona. Um, but winter winter riding can be tough. Um, and I think it's one of those where you you have to kind of ask yourself like. There, everybody has their threshold for how much they can handle going out in the winter, the cold. Like, honestly, even here in Arizona, I know for a fact I'm going to have my limit because it can get into, you know, the low 50s, even sometimes lower here, like 40s if it gets really chilly. And that's just too low for me to go outside, personally. That's cold. Um, but I'm a baby when it comes to riding outside. Indoor riding becomes your best friend. Get used to it. You can really build a lot of fitness with indoor riding. Um, you can bundle up, get, you know, leggings, toe warmers, the right layers of jackets. Um, and I think one of the things that, you know, we kind of talked about it from like a postseason standpoint is doing different types of riding. So like maybe don't go out on your TT bike. Ride your mountain bike because – you're riding slower and it won't be as cold. Ride your gravel bike, ride your road bike, um, so that you're just riding at a different pace so that you're not, it's not going to be as chilly. Um, but yeah, winter yeah. riding can get tough. And just kind of have an idea of what you can handle. I do not like the trainer, mm -hmm. um, very much at all. So if I lived in a cold place still, I would probably not sign up for an early season Ironman because I just hate spending, really, I hate spending more than an hour and a half on the trainer, but my max is right about 245 that I can handle until I go insane. Um, so just knowing <laughs> yeah, that stuff hard. about yourself um, and kind of making your race schedule around the weather a little bit. Yeah, I think I... Well, I mean, I, I spent so much time on the trainer with living in the Pacific Northwest because there's a large portion of the year that you spend on the trainer. Um, I have done some five-hour rides on the trainer, and they are not fun. I don't recommend them. I don't love them. <laughs> um, like, I'm someone but to make those fun if you do have to do it. Yeah. Um, watch a movie. Well, I'm someone who can spend three hours on the treadmill and be okay, but three hours on the trainer. Oh, I, I just get so uncomfortable kind of in the static position. I, I try and get up and move around and mm -hmm. I'll take breaks and stuff. And I still just feel like I get awful saddle sores. I get so sweaty. Part of it's probably, I still don't have a fan set up. <laughs> oh <just> my gosh. <laughs> that is the thing with indoor riding that a lot of times I'll have athletes that will kind of complain about those pieces. And here's the thing with indoor riding, you are way more static. So you're not moving as much. So try to move, sit yeah. up during a recovery set, get out of the saddle, um, get off the bike and go pee for goodness sake. Change like, into dry bibs. <laughs> yes. You know, go get some water, fill it, refill your water bottles. That is okay. You know, don't necessarily spend 30 minutes off the bike, but, you know, taking two to four minutes, five minutes to adjust a little bit so that you're more comfortable if you do have to do these really long um, sessions indoors. Um, and yeah, I think it's really just kind of your threshold. Um, I'm a baby. I don't like riding and like, I don't ride. I hate riding in the rain. Really, really cold. I will go inside. Um, but some people have a better, higher threshold for it. I mean, if you ever listen to that triathlon life podcast, Paul and Eric talk about how they have different thresholds all the time. Like Eric will go out in cold, lot nastier weather, where Paul will go inside. So just determine what your threshold is for it. 
And to make life on the trainer a little more fun, watch movies, watch YouTube, listen to um, listen to podcasts or music or, you know, Zwift is awesome. They've got a lot of other options out there now too, like Full Gas, uh, Trainer Road. You can really kind of turn it into a little bit of a game. I'm a Zwift user, um, but I know a lot of people that use things like Full Gas and everything, which makes it a little bit more enjoyable just because you have something to look at. So, I am none of those, those so maybe I will try one of those if I ever do find myself spending extended periods of time on the trainer. It helps. It really does help. It's just a lot less boring. It just You just kind of watch. You can watch your avatar. I don't know. It's, it makes it a little <laughs> bit more interesting. And instead of just staring at your Wahoo or your Garmin or whatever you have, I've done that and that's not fun. <laughs> I'll watch TikTok. Don't enjoy it. Ah, there you go. See? You need, watch TikTok. There you go. <laughs> awesome. Um, okay. So one of the main questions that I get almost on a regular basis, whether it's for the YouTube channel or the podcast or reels or whatever, is how how we balance life. You know, for me, whenever I get them directly, it's always, how do you balance kids, life, and training? And, and, but, or, you know, the blanket one is, how do you balance life, work, and training? And, um, these I find to be the most challenging questions for, for me to answer because I really think that every one, everybody's life is different. Everybody's priorities are different. Everybody's schedule is different. So me telling you my showing how I do it, I don't know if that helps, you know, but anyways, so, we're going to talk a little bit. We're going to each share kind of a semi day in the life and then talk kind of about what we think balance is. And I know I've said it in, in many times that I don't like the word balance because I don't believe it exists. I believe that you choose your priorities and then that becomes your balance. So I guess it does exist. But um, yeah, so we're going to kind of chat on that a little bit here. Um, Aaron, why don't you start? day in the life as someone who is an elite age grouper, does some coaching and has a full-time job and a life. Yeah. <laughs> you go first. Uh, before I start with my day to day, I think it's good that we're both on here talking about this because I think we do have different priorities in our life just based off where we are in our life. I mean, I'm Agreed. 25. I basically just got into this sport a couple of years ago. Um, and I'm just at a different phase, whereas you are a first-year professional athlete uh, with two kids, which is very different than someone who has no kids. Um, so mm-hmm. I think it will look different, and I think that's awesome. Um, so anyway, yeah. my day in the life right now is I usually wake up around 6.45, um, it's so I can be on my computer by 7 for work. Um, I work remotely, which has been really nice. So I started this remote job in June, um, and I've really enjoyed the flexibility it's allowed me. Um, Typically, I'll work from seven to three. However, I love my company, and it's pretty flexible. And if I have a double workout for the day, I can usually find 45 minutes in my day to do that first workout. And then I'll just add 45 minutes on um, to the end of my day. So I'll work seven to three forty-five instead, um, which it's really nice having that option. I'm aware not everybody does, um, but I'll get done with my work day. And then usually it's to the workout of the day. Um, then after that, I'm usually on training peaks looking to see how people's training week is going and cooking dinner, then maybe watching an hour or two of TV and going to bed. So it's a very exciting weekday schedule. (laughs) My weekends tend to be a little more exciting um, depending on what I have planned. I actually just posted my next like five weekends in a row on Instagram. Um, So you can look at that. It's a busy one. If you want to see what my weekends look like. Um, But I'd say I'm out of town, like in general, throughout the year, every other weekend, just because I really do enjoy traveling. And that's something that's important to me. And, you know, I think, like you said, you have, for you, if you were to talk like 
choosing priority. I don't, again, I see, I don't even think that's the right term. Like I, I really struggle no. <laughs> to like voice my thoughts on balance and priorities because at the same time, I, I just feel again, everyone, everybody's so different. And it's not even necessary that you're choosing priorities at the same time. Like, right. Yeah. So I, for me, I really struggle to try to like even voice it. Um, <laughs> but yeah, when you're trying to like pick the thing, right, right? So picking the pieces that you choose in life, how do you kind of, we're just going to use the word balance because that's the one that everybody knows and it's, it makes the most sense. But how do you balance those, picking those priorities during, you know, during specific spaces? We've kind of chatted yeah. on this like naturally as we've talked about other pieces that, you know, answering other questions, but what, what do you, how do you balance that? I mean, I think it's, finding out what really matters to you and then doing some soul searching to figure out how much it matters and what it means and all of that. I remember when I started this job, I was very stressed out because I was not going to have as much time to train anymore. Um, Or I could, but it would mean sacrificing probably my relationship with my boyfriend, a lot of my friendships maybe some of my mental sanity. I don't know. Um, So I kind of had to do that soul searching and figure out like how important triathlon was to me and how important that like goal of going pro to me was to me and how much I was willing to sacrifice for it. And at this point in my life, I'm not willing to make the sacrifices to train 20 hours a week that now that doesn't mean I've given up that goal. Um, my guess is there will still come a time where I'll want to increase my training schedule and really try and get after that. But I'm also well aware that progress is linear and you kind of want to have an adaptive overload schedule. And that's kind of my five-year plan. And right now I'm doing Mm -hmm. 10 to 11 hours a week and I'm still improving. Now, when I get to the point where I'm not improving anymore, I'm going to have to look at that and make the necessary changes and have that discussion again, with myself, what's important? How do I need to get better? And I'm willing to do that. But right now, like I have 10 to 12 hours a week to train and I'm just going to have to make that work because things like skiing and traveling and hanging out with my boyfriend and hanging out with my friends and going out on the occasional weekend, all those things are still really important in my life. So I give myself the space to do it. I think that was one of the best conversations you and I had earlier this year because it was a good time for you to sit back and go to 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 have this conversation of hey like remove that pressure of that goal right now because it was yeah. a long term goal and I that biggest piece that you were putting on yourself in that space and why you were struggling so much during that time frame was because you were putting this pressure that you had to do it right now and it was one of those it's like okay let's take a deep breath let's take a step back and remember that this is not a right now scenario this is a long-term scenario and you can still have that goal be really high and priority a high priority without it being a priority um Mm -hmm. like it can still be there without you having the pressure to be exactly like what it is. And I think we get lost in that sometimes where again, it's that concept of like, I have to train this amount of hours to be that, like that's the number one question I get in on athlete intakes is how many hours do you expect your athletes to train? And my answer is always, I don't, I, we do what you need as the athlete. Maybe that means 10 hours a week. Maybe that means 18 because that's what you have. and That's what you want. Like, that's awesome. It doesn't matter. Like, you know, and so you know, I didn't train this much when I was moving through these rinks. I, I was similar. When I was your age, I was training about 12 hours a week because when you're first getting into it, that's all you can handle. And then it bumped up to 15 to 16 hours a week on a regular basis. And that became the normal. And it wasn't even just till recently that that became higher. So, right, it's a progressive load. Um, and so I think that was a good piece when you finally like let go of that. And I think that's why you're in a much better space with it now because you did kind of like, okay, let's release that. Let's release that goal for now. Keep it there. Know that it's still there and know that we are in a long-term process for it. Um, yeah. And you have to take those stepping stones. So, yeah. Anyways. And I think it's also important to know, it's like, I want that goal. I'm willing to make some adjustments and sacrifices that for that goal. But I've also been in a space in my swim career where, I sacrificed 
basically my whole life chasing after the goal of qualifying for Olympic trials. Um, and I know how that made me feel. And I don't think it would have changed if I had accomplished that goal. Um, and that's not necessarily, as of this moment, a decision I'm willing to make. Um, yeah. Which, I mean, just goes back to the balance piece. Like, I love doing all these other things in my life. Um, and so I make time for them. And I make it work. And you, as my coach, make it work. Um, because I think there is this misconception and triathlon that you have to train crazy hours to be any good. I mean, I've spoke to multiple people who are coming back from injury and they're like, Oh my God, I'm only training 16 hours a week right now. Like I can't imagine racing. It's like, wow. Like there, you can still be really damn good on 16 hours a week. Yep. You can. Yep. You can be very good. I mean, I went to Kona for three times on 16 hours a week and came in tops of my age group in 16 hours a week. I've done it twice now. Great. <laughs> my two Konas. Yeah. So. <laughs> yeah. So moral of that story, I think, is twofold is one. You also, one, I think is important is you don't have to give up on the big, scary, hairy goal just because you're yes. not in a space to be able to chase that at the moment. And I think that's important. And that was an important thing for you to come to a realization too. Very. Is that, very. Um, that we didn't have to give up on that goal. Cause at first I think you were in this space of, I have to give up on this goal or I have to go for it. And I said, no, yeah. you don't have to give up on it yet. You don't, and I, maybe I, eventually, maybe, so maybe you turn 30 and you decide you don't want to, or maybe you turn 28 and you decide yeah. you want to, that's fine. You don't have to give up on it. It can still yeah. be there. Just, and I think that's we chase what it can be away. I think that's what can be dangerous about the all in mindset. Um, I think we glamorize that a lot. Um, but I don't necessarily think that's always a healthy space to be in. Um, because I know like I can Remember. feel a lot of guilt, guilt associated with not necessarily being all in and feel like I don't deserve the race results I have or feel like I don't deserve to be accomplishing what I am because I might not be considered what some people call all in. Um, but I can tell you yeah. when I'm in my training sessions, I'm all in. And I think that's healthy. My number one thing, being a thousand percent dedicated is being a thousand percent dedicated to where you are in space and time. That's being a thousand percent dedicated. That's being all in. And if that means being all in on eight hours a week, awesome. If that means being all in on 18 hours a week, awesome. Right? Those are the like big ends of the spectrum, obviously. But you don't have don't have, to be all in. You just have to be dedicated to what you can do. That's all that matters. Mm-hmm. So I think that's. So what does your much balance space look like once you kind of yes. embrace that? <laughs> what does your balance, balance look like? My balance is <laughs> chaos. <laughs> oh, honestly, chaos, <laughs> chaos. Um, so for me, um, I so I kind of I have I balance the professional triathlon life, running the coaching, running where if you take you in the coaching business, and then having kids. Um, two kids that are um, crazy and busy. So kind of an average like weekday looks like for me, I try to get up between around five to five thirty, um, unless I have to, unless I'm doing a really long ride and I'm going out to kind of your neck of the woods. And then I have to get up before five cause I have to leave early. Um, so I get up between five and five thirty um, every morning so that I can hopefully drink my coffee in peace and um <laughs> hop on the computer and answer messages, emails, um check training peaks, etc until the kids wake up, which sometimes is 5 minutes and sometimes it's an hour. Just kind of depends. Uh I make lunches, I get the kids ready for school, drop the kids off at school, and then during the rest of the day I do my training, training peaks, podcast recordings, edits, YouTube videos, emails, admin, what have you, um, until about 3.30 or 4 when I then pick the kids up um, and we do kid life, um, you know, between then. So that can look like a wide range of things um, from taking them to the golf course, the pool, going biking. Yesterday we went biking. Um, and then we get ready to have dinner and get ready for bed. Um, so day starts usually 5 a.m. and ends at 8 p.m. Um, 
it's busy. It's a lot. There's not a lot of downtime, but it's kind of what it is. Um, my big thing for me is I really try to fit everything in, in that time that they're in school, because once the, once I pick them up, I want to be involved in them. I don't want to be on my computer. I don't want to be on my phone very much. Um, like I don't like even totally to always respond much to too many text messages much after like five o'clock because I want to be there with the kids. It's that's a, that's a big thing for me. Um, because I am busy and I do have to quote unquote work on the weekends because I have to train. And sometimes I have to finish training plans for athletes on the weekends and that's a piece of my life. And so I work seven days a week between coaching and, and professional triathloning. So when I am involved with the kids, I'm involved with the kids. I don't want to be on my phone. I don't want to be on my computer, you know, to the extent like we'll have quiet time and we will all sit down and watch our little YouTube videos or our shows or whatever, you know, so we're not, we're not a no, total no screen family, but it's just the way that, you know, those pieces. That's kind of like Monday through Friday, Saturdays and Sundays are a lot. They are busy um, because we don't have school. Um, so it usually looks like me getting Saturdays, me getting a training session in. And then as soon as I get back, Brandon gets his opportunity to go to the, the gym or get a, um, some exercise or workout in. And then I get my second session in. And in between then we are doing kid things, um, you know, playing bikes, golfing, baseball, <laughs> running around the house, playing triathlon with the kids. Um, and then Sundays, I, I try really hard on Sundays to only have one session of training. Um, I don't like to do anything more than two hours on Sundays because I want that to be all kid time um, as much as possible. So those are kind of my days in the life. Um, they're very busy, but they are exactly how I'd want them. Like I want to, right. I talk about choosing priorities and, and, and for me, my kids in triathlon and coaching, those are my priorities. And those are kind of like the most I can handle. <laughs> like, uh, I can't handle too much more than that. Um, and my, that those, you know, those are the pieces that fill my bucket. Those are the pieces that make me feel whole. Those are the pieces that make me feel empowered and powerful. And I choose them. I choose to make them the priority. Um, and then, you know, I fit other things in there where we can fit them in. Um, whether that be like yesterday, I went on last night, I did the witches walk with my mom. So we dressed up as witches and all the, a lot of women in the town, like all did this big walk. And so I made time for, made time for that. And, um, you know, I'm going down to, um, Arizona full to, you know, cheer on athletes and be a part of those things. And so, you know, try to make time for those pieces where they can fall, but my availability is definitely a lot less. And that's just the, the, the life that I'm living right now with, cause I have two kids that are busy and they take up every, every second of other pieces of time that I might potentially have, but they are my everything and I wouldn't have it any other way. So, um, it's definitely not a very balanced life because it's very like centralized in these pieces. But for me, it's what I, it's what I want in my life. And that's the important piece. So. And sometimes we have the things that we do not want in our lives. I mean, as far as jobs go, I love my full-time job. However, if I could have that money in health insurance without working it, might take that option. <laughs> Yes, <laughs> but unfortunately, well, for most of us, life has pieces in it that we don't necessarily wouldn't necessarily choose if yes. we had the complete option. Um, but it's fitting those things in. And I think when we have add on top of daily responsibilities, like going to the grocery store and physical therapy and going to the doctor and just all the random crap that pops up mm -hmm. in the week. I mean, those kind of have to become a priority even when you don't want them to be. Yep. Laundry, for example, like we talked about. <laughs> uh, no, not a priority. It's just it's to stay on not the bed. A <laughs> oh, yes, it definitely stays on the bed. But yeah, those are pieces too that you have to just fit in where you can fit them in and make time for them in the, in the capacity that you can. Um, so, you know, I guess for me, what it like I think we both touched on this what it comes down to when you're trying to talk about balance or priorities is like you said where are you in life 
what do you have the capacity for and what fills your bucket? Pick those things and do those pieces, yes. you know? I mean, like, I think in the Trace Penis chat um, or in the like Kona one from this year, everyone was talking about Nice next year. And I've mentioned on this podcast, I'm not planning on going to Nice because I'm gone for work all of June and July. And like technically, yes, I could make it work. I could heavy load August. I could do some training while I'm there. Um, but for me, training when I'm super stressed is not fun. Doesn't <laughs> I'd be- rather fill my bucket in other well. ways. No, <laughs> no yeah. not at all. <laughs> I I actually thought of you today because I and at the pool. Um, and I think we want to have you if we can. I think we should have you tar- target age group nationals again this year. That was good. That's a good race for you. Okay. I don't even know when it is, but it's in Jersey, I don't right? Even... I mean, we'll talk about it later. <laughs> yeah. But anyways, that's my side note. Um, okay. Yeah. Because, I don't know. I think that's a good race for you. Um, that's a fun one. Yeah. I did that. I did that back. That was one of my first. I qualified for that um, early on in my life of triathlon. I just remember. That's one of the races that stands out for me as being so much fun. Um back in 20 gosh wow almost 10 years ago now wow you're not that old (laughs) no i'm not i'm only 44 i'm really not that old in the scheme of things but i've been doing this for a long time now (laughs) crazy um i always think of you as like 31 so honestly that's how i feel like sometimes i question i if i am 34 but i am getting old apparently (laughs) um awesome well i think that was a really good conversation and hopefully you guys find that helpful um because yeah everybody's life is different everybody's got different priorities and the things that they want to include in it um we did have one last question so this is going to kind of take you know we just were talking about those pieces this is kind of a complete different topic but we've talked about this a lot in the past but someone asked us about how about race day nutrition and how we get enough in. Um, and so we'll just touch on it again because it is a very, very important one. I personally believe that the way that you hit your nutrition can make or break your day. And if you don't do it right and if you don't focus on it, then you are, one, either going to have a hard time or, two, you're leaving something out on the race course that is very much in your control if you can. But it's a tricky one because it's hard to get right. And it can take a long time. Um, yeah. And you even, we even kind of chatted about it for you for Kona, how we still maybe didn't yeah. get it quite right. <laughs> you don't get it right. And then you spend a whole marathon miserable and it's yes. so much fun. <laughs> and I, a lot of that, honestly, too, just comes down to racing and Mm-hmm. learning more. Like for me, it, I really think it was a matter of not getting enough salt in after the swim and that it just affected my ability to take in calories because I know my body can handle all those products. I know my body can handle all those products with the heart rate I was at. It, that wasn't like mm-hmm. the matter with it. It was, I don't think my digestive system had enough salt in it to take in the calories and it ended up with me throwing up. Um, so it's learning those pieces and really getting to know your body and what certain conditions require. Mm-hmm. I think that's a really good point. And so I think when you're looking at building a race day nutrition plan, you need to look at the amount of carbohydrates per hour, the amount of electrolytes per hour, um, and the amount of fluids per hour, relatively speaking, that you're wanting to take in um, with the conditions also playing a big role in um, kind of how all those will stack up. Um like, for example, I was, had an athlete that I was talking to in regards to um, Arizona, 70.3, um, about two weeks, a weekend ago or whatever. And I was wanting, I was checking up on her nutrition plan and then she told it to me and I was like, whoa, this doesn't seem right. And she was only getting in 50 grams of carbs an hour. And I was oh, like, geez. oh my gosh, no wonder why we are having... I, she keeps bonking on the run and and I couldn't figure it out. I hadn't been able to figure it out because her running and training was going amazing. Um, boom, figured it out. That is why. So yeah. you, 
there a lot of science is now showing that we want to have a higher carbohydrate intake. And again, it's very different and dependent on everybody. Everybody can absorb different amounts in a different ways. However, I will tell you that you can train your body to absorb more carbohydrates. I know this from personal experience because I never used to be able to take in much. It would hurt my stomach. It would make me go to the bathroom, a, a cramp. And I can now, I can now eat 100 grams of carbs and go for a run. The, the carbs I eat have to be very particular, <laughs> but um, <laughs> you can train your body to absorb the calories and the carbohydrates that you need in order to perform. And ideally, you know, golden golden rule or guideline, you want to kind of be in that 80 to 100 grams of carbs an hour if you can. Um, you may even need more, um, you know, depending on... Um, the intensity that you ride at, you know, and, and, and those pieces. Um, so, you know, practicing with the nutrition that you use, you have to practice it. And that's the only, that's the main way to train your gut to be able to absorb it is by practicing it in training. I think the other tip of advice I will give is make sure when you are doing your race day nutrition, that you know it's something you'll be able to force yourself to get down mm-hmm. 100 miles into the bike ride or 20 miles into the marathon. Because um, I've been there where I am at mile 80 of the bike and I'm supposed to be chewing three cliff blocks. And at that point in the bike, I've learned myself enough to know I do not want to chew shit at that point. Yeah. Like I want it to be all liquid. Um, so I've kind of had to change my plan a bit to make sure that it's all liquid. Same. I, that's a really great tip um, because there will uh, inevitably come a time if you are doing a full full distance Ironman, even a 70.3 can get long. Yeah. Um, and um, But in a full distance Ironman, there will come a time where you do not want your nutrition and you have to be able to force it down your system. So picking, choosing something that you can force feed yourself. Yeah. Um, is really or, really helpful and one way like to learn seven, that like is maybe setting a timer on on your on your um not your phone on your watch or your computer um a lot of computers and watches nowadays will even like send you a message that says eat your food eat your food um like if, if you want um but set a beeper or a timer so that you know it goes off at a certain time frame and that's your reminder that's your cue to Hey, okay, I need to take a sip of my my infinite or my scratch or whatever. I or I need to take a sip of water. Um it's a good way to, again to kind of cue and to make note to help you take take in those pieces um on a an appropriate kind of time scale. Um but we did a very pretty in-depth episode quite a while ago on nutrition that was very we talked a lot about this. Aaron talked a lot, um, really kind of gave a good um, download onto the difference between fructose and glucose um, and stuff like that. So definitely go back. And I don't know the episode that is. It was quite some, you might have to scroll a bit, but um, that'd be a good one to listen to because we talk a lot about this. We did a whole episode on race day nutrition. Um, so go back and take a look at that one. Um, anything else you want to add on race day nutrition? No? Awesome. Um, all right. Well, we've got Halloween that we got to get to. You guys, I got to go swim for you have to go swim. I don't even mind swimming, it's the driving to the pool. Yeah, it takes up so much time. (laughs) Yep, swimming takes is one of those most annoying because you can't just like hop and go, you have to go somewhere to do it. And now that it's cooler outside, the water is so cold. I still feel like it feels like a bathtub, but we'll get there. Ours definitely does not. It's chilly. <laughs> Shocks you a little bit when you get in. So today I got to the pool. <laughs> this is funny. And I was taking my pants off to get into the water. And apparently when the process, I grabbed my swim bottoms at the same time. <laughs> oh, no. And I pulled everything down. <laughs> Oh no! <laughs> and I was like, "Wow, why is it so chilly in my butt?" 
Were there other people on the pool deck? There was nobody on the pool deck, thankfully. There were two people in the water, but I don't think anybody saw anything because... (laughs) (laughs) Oh, I have never done that before, so that was a new one. (laughs) Yep. So hopefully, I don't know if there's cameras at this pool, but somebody got some sort of show. Uh, (laughs) So there's my funny story for the day. You're welcome, everybody. (laughs) So... All right. Well, I got to go pick up the kids and from grandma and papa's and we are all going trick or treating. Um, and yeah, it'll be fun. The boys are excited. They got to wear They're their, so cute. they got to wear their costumes to daycare today or to school today. Cause the school did a little trick or treating. Um, so that's what we're going to go do all the, the 55 and older community that lives right next to Verado, they do like a trunk or treat. So we're going to go do a trunk or treat loop because it's easy, it's calm and less scary. Yeah. Baylor gets yeah. really kind of freaked out with some of the costumes. Oh, I know. We went to this dance party, block party over the weekend. And it was like you had dress, people, a lot of people dressed up. And there was a couple of people dressed up with like Joker style face paint. So like the white and then the black eyes and the mouth. And at one point he visibly looked at one lady and then screamed and started shaking. And he was so scared and it oh. broke my little heart. <laughs> I so I stayed, had to stay away from her. And he kept like the whole rest of the night, he kept pointing and saying, no lady, no lady. Because he didn't want the lady <laughs> I know. so sad so sad so awesome all righty well we will be back next week everybody have a wonderful week you have safe travels you're headed to chicago yeah 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 and so, yeah, i'm gonna freeze like this i'm working outside i'm gonna be so cold uh yes it's cold there right now <laughs> it's like not even that cold but for me it's cold <laughs> I will tell you, I will feel like I have become a an official Arizonian because it has dropped it dropped to like in the sixties and I'm legitimately cold. Yeah. And uh that would have never happened in Spokane. It'd be sixty degrees to be wearing like shorts and a t shirt. Um but I wore a long sleeve shirt today on my run because I was cold. Yeah. It happens. Yeah. So I deem myself officially an Arizonian. I own a bucket hat and I uh am cold in sixty five degree weather. <laughs> welcome so awesome all right everybody thanks for listening in this week um again if you want to send us questions you can at where slash podcast and we will be back next week with a little race recap and answering more of your questions talk to you later bye everybody